Welcome to Inuskin. My name is Sophie Carbonari, and today I'm happy to introduce the celebrity esthetician, Joanna Vargas. Thank you, Joanna, to be with me today. How are you? Uh, I'm good. Thank you so much for having me. So, um, I will start by the famous first question, which is, uh, when was the first time you became aware of how other may seeing you? Um, you know, I have been thinking about this question. I, because it's an excellent question, I think I became aware of that probably um, very, very young. Mm -hmm. Probably I was, you know, maybe five or six years old. Um, I didn't really look, I look like my mother in the way that my face is shaped and okay. my eyes, but our skin tone was different. Okay. And um, I was very aware just because of things people would say to her or to me that um, people looked at us um, differently or strangely because all people could see was skin tone. Mm. And so I became aware of that very uh, at a very young age. My mother uh, was Mexican okay. and just darker skinned than me. Mm. I, and I, I felt always I wished that I looked more like her because I thought she was a goddess. <laughs> oh, that's so interesting. Um, so that's bring me to the question about like, how does your family affect your self-image? Um, I mean, I think that um, my, I know as an adult looking back on you know, my mother isn't around anymore, so I, mm -hmm. I can't have these conversations with her now. Mm -hmm. But um, I know that it must have been so hard for her mm -hmm. to, um, you know, I grew up, I'm, I'm 50 years old, so I was a young girl in the early 70s. Okay. And it, um, you know, the school that she chose to put me in and the environments that we were in were very... Um, you know, they were not diverse environments. Um, and I know that, you know, being a, a child of an immigrant family, you know, often families want the absolute best education and they want the best opportunities for their children. And I think that was why I was in those environments, but it must have been extremely hard for her to navigate that for herself. I know that she was very sensitive and stuff and it must have been difficult. So I think, um, you know, I think it's been an interesting year for me just to reflect back on things that people have said to me when I was in school that I thought didn't bother me, but I, you know, looking back on it, you think, oh my God, I can't believe people were saying that to yeah. like a child, mm. you know? Um, and you know, you, it, it does affect who you are, uh, certainly, and it certainly um, has informed who I am as a person and who I am as a mother and what types of environments I seek for my own children. Yeah. I think now, you know, it's nice for my children that I'm, I'm, 
putting them in environments that are extremely diverse and have yeah. all sorts of people because that's the world that I live in. So I think that that's a privilege that I have cultivated for my own kids. That's good. You, you, you was aware. So you, you build like a diverse, like a universe where your child can be like a, related to other people who look like different, but you know, an healthy environment kind of. Correct. You want, you know, as a child, I think what I was very aware of was I would, I wasn't quite like anybody else that I went to school with. And that was made clear to me when people would say things to me, but also I felt that way. I was different. Um, and that was hard. Um, and I think when, as I got into adolescence and teenage years, I would look at fashion magazines and be aware of the fact that there was nobody that looked like me or my mom or anybody else in my family in any of those magazines. Yeah. And um, I think that I've been an esthetician now for 20 years. I think when I started as an esthetician, it was a very, uh, there was a, a, no a screaming, a yeah. screaming lack of diversity. <laughs> <laughs> And it made, I'm sure, many clients feel like they weren't welcome in certain yeah. places or that, you know, I, I mean, over the years, you know, I, I, I'm, I know that that's true. And mm -hmm. I have tried to provide um, an environment that felt welcoming to everybody. And also that, um, you know, I have a diversity on my staff that I think yeah. was not was not an option 20 years ago so, so that, that's really interesting though because at the end of the day um you kind of have this huge challenge as a child and you kind of uh, make it like build up as a as a um as a missions to just include yeah. diversity into your job like your passions and then then you you there you are a famous facialist around the world and then you bring the diversity and you are like a, you know, like a, you are a role model for, for so many people and like, including me. <laughs> That's kind of you to say, I, you know, I, I really just would not be able to live with myself if I, you know, when you start your own space, you want to really create not just the treatments and, you know, for me products, but also create the universe that I want to live in. Mm -hmm. And for me, starting a salon with my husband in New York City, we wanted a staff that reflected the world that we personally live in, which is, mm -hmm. you know, extremely diverse and that's very, very multicultural. And, and that's what, where we honestly feel the most comfortable. So. Oh, that's amazing. That's amazing. Um, So how has your self-image challenged during the transition from your adolescence to your adult, adulthood? Um, I think, you know, I struggled a lot with, um, you know, who, who I really was. I was, like I mentioned, um, put in schools that had a lack of diversity. And so, um, I think, and I think it was hard for me to find my own identity within that. Mm -hmm. And as I grew up, I just realized I was more comfortable embracing uh, my own culture and my own heritage. And um, I, I wonder what my mom would think of it all now. 
um, in a lot of ways, you know, I'm, I'm married uh, a man from Nicaragua, which is in okay. Central America. Mm -hmm. And in a lot of ways, I'm pretty sure she would have been, um, you know, I don't know what she would have thought of that, yeah. um, to be honest, because she just wanted me to fit into American culture. I see. You know, um, but, you know, I feel more comfortable with my own uh, cultural and experiences informing my life. And I think that that's where I found my own happiness. And certainly my, I always tell people that I never really became successful as an esthetician until mm -hmm. I really was willing to yourself, like really who you are, embrace who I am and show it. Yeah. Because showing it was another level you mm. could be like oh when i'm at home i you know this and that but to really be able to express that visually and the way i speak the way i act in front of clients um because you know in beauty you were just really taught to be you all always wearing white and always being quiet and not you know saying anything and, yeah and just you know don't upset anybody and just whatever but i think i just i'm more comfortable just being who i am and and if that isn't your jam then you don't uh, well lucky for you there are so many estheticians you could go to instead of me yeah i'm <laughs> That's true, and and you know, I think I think that's although the same, like it's like a when you are somewhere and when you see something from outside from the mirror, because for example, like maybe you are like a, in America, like categorized as a um, South American, uh, you know, like a background uh, esthetician, but in Europe, <laughs> everybody knows you, and you are American, <laughs> and you. <laughs> Nobody like your name is just uh, you know like nobody everybody say oh she's amazing and and but nobody talks about like your your background you're just like a, a famous esthetician like a you know American esthetician and that's really funny. <laughs> it's it's a it's the privilege of having some success. Then it doesn't matter to anybody anymore who mm. what what you are where you come from. Then everybody. Is like, oh, you're so amazing. It's great. But when yeah. you're starting out, it's really like a choice you have to make for yourself. Okay, mm -hmm. how how am I going to express who I am? Um, yeah. so that when you walk in my salon that you feel who I am. And that was really very important to me. Oh, that's great. Um, can you describe uh, a moment that you put your self-image into question or drastically change it? Yeah, I um, I think when I first started the salon, I was still kind of caught up in how much of me do I show? I'm a very private person and, you know, people are coming to me for facials. They're not, you know, it's not for any other thing. And I hate it when people try to act like they're curing cancer with their job. You know, yeah. <laughs> I know. I'm not a brain surgeon. <laughs> <laughs> you know, like, don't take yourself so yeah. seriously, girl. It's not that way. Um, you don't save lives. <laughs> yeah, exactly. I'm in here. <laughs> you know, but, you know, I was afraid to, I was like, well, what kind of music should I play? Maybe I'll just play classical music. It's nice. And what kind of art should I have on the wall? And, 
you know, you really get, I at that time was a little bit introverted about how much I was going to show of myself, so to speak. And I think I, it just dawned on me that it was, I was stifling myself. I was suffocating with Mm -hmm. all the, all the inner thinking that one does when they're, you know, I was, I was in my early thirties at that time. So I think you're stretching your wings and showing yourself. I don't know. And I was having a lot of inside conversations with myself. And I think at one point I just abandoned all of that. And I was like, I'm going to play the music that I like to listen to. And mm-hmm. I'm going to put art on the wall. Um, That's you, you know, that might, yeah, that I love that maybe somebody, you know, I can remember, I, you know, I have a lot of, um, you know, editorial type art on my walls and, you know, some of it shows body parts and, you know, it's just very cool city girl vibes type art. And I can remember some client saying to me that they, it offended them. And I was like, well, I guess lucky for you, it's not in your living room. <laughs> oh, well, I mean, yeah. I, you know, I, I wasn't going to cover the picture for her, but it was no, just no. one of those moments where you really have to decide like how you're going to handle it. And I wasn't rude to her, yeah. but I also wasn't going to take it down or change it or anything. And it was just, it is what it is. Then don't mm-hmm. come here if you don't mm-hmm. like my art and it deeply offends you. So. You yeah. know, you, so you're, you're, it was my mid to my early to mid thirties that I really came out of that whole shell of worrying mm-hmm. about it. Yeah. Oh, that's so, I think that's really, um, inspiring, uh, especially, uh, for women's, I think it's important to, um, to explain that you can go your way, do, do you and, and to be successful. And I think you, it's it's the takeaway of my whole career that I wish every woman could understand is mm-hmm. you can be successful being yourself and and you know you are uniquely you and embrace what's great about you and different about you and I think women are raised in at least in my culture I think to be so critical of ourselves yeah. in a way that is so toxic and unhealthy and mm-hmm. um and we don't do it to other people like I would never look at another human being and rip them to shreds in the same way that I do to my or that I used to do to myself so I think it was it's a good lesson great thank you for sharing this how will you describe your relationship with the modern beauty culture um I think that you know one good thing that I have going for me now is that I do have an audience and people do listen to me. And I think that I, I give a very healthy, um, amount of advice, you know, about how you should look at yourself, that beauty is, um, it's more about what makes you unique than what makes us all the same. You know, you and I look very different and I think we're both beautiful Mm -hmm. for our differences, you know? Um, And I think it's what's unfortunate about social media now and Mm -hmm. filters and, Mm -hmm. and, and just this need to be perfect. I think that it, there's a a lot of pressure on um, all people to try to, 
portray this life of perfection. And I've got to tell you that I've been doing facials for 20 years. I've listened to a lot of people and nobody's life is perfect. And nobody looks the way that you think they look on Instagram. Mm -mm, Definitely. Even the movie stars. Yeah. And in beauty really has nothing to do with your DNA, but everything to do with how you treat yourself. Mm. And I think if you treat yourself with grace and, and honor yourself, you will look beautiful to you and you will project beauty when you walk in a room. Mm. Yeah. Be your agent. It's the, yeah. (laughs) Yeah. Um, so in that sense, I think that, that, that is a good, a good message for people to hear from me. I think it's unfortunate that we're bombarded with perfection at every turn and also sort of this cutthroat, you know, need to post, uh, you know, every time, you know, you walk out the door type thing. I I just, I won't participate in that. I don't, don't think it's necessary. No, no, I don't think so too. It's really like, it's a big pressure because it looks like if you're not there, you know, you're not even in a real life. It's but definitely, I think when you t- just decided to don't share any like so like just sharing your your job and yeah, you know, it's all it's although a good things for the people who follow you to understand that you know like your private life it's really something like you keep like you know and when you give a little bit it's really like a it's a good intention but it's not a way that you know like a. You want to make it people jealous or envious or something like that. It's really like exactly, exactly. You know, there's a lot of bad vibes out there, and I don't want to contribute to that. And really, like me making a product and putting it on a shelf, my heart is in that. Mm. When I create things, when I wrote my book, all the things that I've done, I've put my heart and my soul into those things for people Mm -hmm. to feel and to see what my intention really is. And, um, you know, I don't need to post what I'm eating for breakfast, lunch, and dinner for you to feel that. (laughs) (laughs) So, um, that's, that's bring us to the second, the other question, which is, can you describe a day that you have to get ready and you like all of the rituals you, you do, to feel empowered and beautiful. Yeah. So I, um, for me, um, when I wake up in the morning, I, I hang out with, I have a nine-year-old daughter and I hang out in her room while she's getting ready for school. And, um, you know, I help her choose her outfit and, Mm -hmm. you know, all of that good stuff. Um, and just have like mom and daughter time together. That's fun and special. Um, when she leaves, I exercise, which I love to do in the morning because it de-stresses me and makes me feel really happy about myself. Okay. Um, and it, for me, it's not about the way I look and more of a feeling that I have about myself when I'm done. Like I feel empowered and accomplished. Yeah. Um, so I do that. And, um, I actually spend um, another hour of my morning. I am a painter okay. and I, um, I also do art journaling. Oh, um, 
And so I spend actually most of the morning doing that stuff before I go to work because it just really makes me happy. And then as far as beauty goes, I, if I have something special, I'll do, you know, a mini facial Mm -hmm. at home before I go like a sheet mask and exfoliate and all of that stuff Mm -hmm. and do like a, you know, a depuffing massage situation. Um, and, um, I make myself, uh, a fruit smoothie with, lots of greens and vitamins and stuff in it, which is sort of like my power drink of the day. Um, nothing makes me feel happier with myself than my, my fruit smoothie with almond milk and all the greens and everything. So I, I drink that for the day. And, um, you know, like skincare wise, I have like a pretty simple routine. I do usually one or two serums and a moisturizer. Mm -hmm. Um, And then beauty wise, I really don't wear a ton of makeup regularly. I do eyebrows, which I never leave the house without my eyebrows a little bit Mm -hmm. filled in and like just some, um, you know, tinted, you know, the Ilia tinted serum it's kind of like a really hydrating, uh, light tinted moisturizer type thing for the skin and a little bit of concealer. That's it. That's all I do. Okay. Um, and those things like are really the, the ritual things that I like to do in the mornings that make me feel, um, happy with myself and like I can face anything. Great. Who are you beauty role models? Hmm. Um, you know, my original beauty role model was probably my grandmother. Okay. Who was always really, you know, in Latin culture, it's very, you know, everybody gets really done up and you smell good all the time. And you're always, she was always in, you know, fabulous shoes and just really done up all the time. And so she was sort of the, uh, original, person that I looked up to and she used to let me do her hair and makeup all the time. Oh, great. (laughs) So she's probably the reason why I love beauty so much because she used to buy me bubble baths and perfumes and things for as gifts all the time. So I always felt like perfumed and beautiful when she was around. Mm -hmm. Um, As far as these days, I think, um, I have different role models. I think probably, um, you know, Helena Christensen is a friend of mine, but I admire her a lot because uh, fitness is such a big part of her personal care. She introduced me to her boxing trainer, who's been a big part of my healthy living over the last few years. And she doesn't walk around the city dressed up, but she walks around the city fit and powerful and strong. And, um, you know, I admire her a lot. Let's see who else I'm trying to think who else walks in and makes me feel, um, breathless there. You know, there are so many women that I admire, um, that just haven't, I think what I admire the most is somebody who's really confident 
in in their own skin and um, really feels themselves. You can tell when a woman is feeling herself, she doesn't need a compliment because yeah. she just walks in the room and she just owns the room. Mm. And the, I, I think there are several people that, that fit that for me. Mm. Um, like Julianne Moore um, is one of those people for me who's uh, been a longtime client of mine. Mm-hmm. Um, and then younger people probably... Um, Tess Holiday is another client of mine and a dear friend who, um, who I just think she's stunningly beautiful and she's breathtaking when she walks in a room. So those are my picks. <laughs> That's nice. Um, what's your uh, thought about like plastic surgery and aesthetic adjustment? Um, you know, I think that for a long time i think it was such a big thing uh for people to feel like they had to do it and i think that these days we live in a wonderful era there are so many technologies available for estheticians Mm -hmm. and um doctors that are minimally invasive or non-invasive i i don't I think if it makes you feel good, go for it. But what I want everybody to know is you don't have to do it. You don't have to do something to yourself to make yourself feel better. Um, Because there is so much amazing technology out there now um, from radio frequency to microneedling to laser or whatever floats your boat really. Mm -hmm. But like, you know, if you want to do it, I'm not going to stop you, but I will stop you if you feel like you have to do it. What role age played in your self-image? Um, I mean, you know, it's funny when I first started the salon, I think I was, I was in my early thirties. I think I was maybe 33 years old, something in that nature. And I, at the time I can remember, um, a major magazine was going to feature me in a story Mm -hmm. and, um, it was so major for me. I was so excited. And then the editor called me and told me that they had to cut me from the story because they decided I was too young to be featured in their magazine. Okay. (laughs) And I don't know if that was really, it was nice of her to call and tell me, I don't know if that was the case or not. Um, but And then as I've gotten older, you know, um, there's so much, there's always younger people in the industry. Um, There's always, you know, in Los Angeles, especially everybody wants the new thing, you know, Um, there's this obsession with newness Mm -hmm. that I think is, you know, it is what it is. Yes. But I think um, for me personally, as a 50-year-old woman, I have never loved myself more than I do now. I am so grateful to be the age that I am because I just don't give a shit what people think. And um, (laughs) I, I am doing what I love and what I feel are the important things. And I don't have that subtext of you know, talking to myself anymore because I just believe in what I'm doing and I, I own it. And I think I'm, you know, responsible with my 
with my thought process mm -hmm. and I have confidence in myself that I, I didn't have when I was 30. So for me, it's been lovely to get older. Yeah. Um, and I think that I have the tools at my fingertips to, um, to continue to feel good in my own skin. So I'm kind of not worried about aging. I plan on, you know, enjoying myself. That's nice. <laughs> <laughs> that will be the last question. Can you describe a phase or an embarrassing faux pas as you, as you did to define yourself? Maybe if you have done one. <laughs> um, an embarrassing faux pas that defined me. <laughs> Let's see. If you did one. <laughs> I, I mean, I'm sure I've had many. <laughs> um, I think um, yeah, okay, I have one. So before I went out on my own, before I created my own salon with my husband, I was working somewhere and um a somebody that i was working with who i i felt close to mm -hmm. um made um made a remark i don't really want to repeat it but it was about um mexicans which i i'm mexican just yeah. to be clear mm -hmm. and she made a a racist remark about mexicans and um And, you know, it's something that has defined me throughout my life is that people forget. Um, you are who you come from, your background, in fact, you mm -hmm. are, who you are really. Yeah. Right. So she said something and I was like, you know, I'm Mexican, right? And she was like, you know, she said something to the effect of like, you know, yeah, but you're not. Like them. Not <laughs> <laughs> I know. <laughs> Something like that. I just don't want to say it because then you're saying yeah. the bad things. Yeah, and yeah. It's, so, it, yeah, it's, I see. it's like a freak out moment, right? <laughs> I think the thing that was definitive for me is that I should have probably said more mm. and I didn't. Yeah. Um, and um, because I, I'm, you know, my feelings were hurt or whatever. Mm. And I just walked away and just left it at that. Yeah. Um, but what defined me about it was that as my husband and I created our own space, mm -hmm. we had made, we have made it very clear to ourselves and to our staff that they will always be safe with us well, yeah. and that we will never, um, There will never be a client that we want them to do mm -hmm. um, that makes them feel uncomfortable. Yeah. And yeah. we you will never... Your staff, you support your staff like racism or whatever is not tolerating your space. Right. Like there's... I would rather be hungry <laughs> than to have to mm. service somebody or have um, one of my team service somebody that made them feel less than or uncomfortable or 
lowered in some way that we will not have that in our space. And there have been moments of that. Um, you know, one moment in particular where my husband actually, who he is, uh, he's usually in his office and he's yeah. doing his work and he never interacts with the clients or very mm -hmm. rarely, but he had to go into a treatment room and tell somebody to leave Yeah, because we weren't, he, you know, and the person in question was like, the client is always right, blah, blah, mm -hmm. blah. And he was like, I really understand why you would think that, but you're not in a space where that's the case. <laughs> and he, I like that. <laughs> he had her leave. Mm. And it meant something to the person that was trying to pr provide the service. And mm. it, I think it was one of those moments that really showed that we're not just saying something that will be willing to do it and stand behind it because that's what we really think. And that's how we believe yeah. life should go for everybody. Oh, but that's you. like, I want to just, um, it says the end, but I want to like notify you. That's like, I, I, the first time that I, I heard about you, I start to follow you and I just feel like I, I'm sure she's a beautiful person, like inside out, but you, <laughs> after this interview, you definitely are like it's just uh, all of your vision the things you put out there like um it's not just it's really something that you it's a legacy you know you just do something like a, it's like a mission and uh, i want to thank you for that because it's so beautiful and thanks for sharing with me and um it's amazing of course thank you. of course it's my pleasure it is a mission it is a mission because i don't want a little boy or a little girl um, to have to go through life feeling like they don't belong anywhere. Mm -hmm. And, uh, I think that it's our responsibility in the beauty industry to make everybody feel welcome yeah. and to make people feel confident and beautiful. That's what I do this for. You know, it's not for, uh, likes on Instagram. So <laughs> thank you. You're welcome. That was the Inuskin podcast of Joana Vargas. Thanks for listening and speak to you soon.